Good morning. Welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth, meaning, and dry land. We welcome all of you here this morning. I'm Chris Jimerson. I'm Minister for Program Development here at the church, and I have with me my co-worship leaders today, David Overton, Carolyn Griminger, and Valerie Stern. We'll be talking with you a little bit about recent developments within our larger denomination and at our last General Assembly. I want to especially welcome our visitors this morning. We're so glad you're here, and we hope you'll join us for coffee and conversation in Housen Hall after the service. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person, and it's in that tradition that I invite you to turn to those around you and greet the holy among us this morning. Now please open your order of service and join me in our words for lighting the chalice, which is a symbol of our faith. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Our call to worship this morning is no one is outside the circle of love, and you can find it on page four in your order of service. It is written by the Reverend Susan Frederick Gray, who is our recently elected UUA president, and Erica Hewitt. We know that hurt moves through the world, perpetuated by action, inaction, and indifference. Our values call us to live in the reality of the heartbreak of our world, remembering that no no one one is outside the circle of love. We, who are Unitarian Universalists, not only affirm the inherent worth and dignity of every person, we also affirm the inherent wholeness of every being, despite apparent brokenness. No No one one is outside the circle of love. We know that things break or break down. Promises, friendship, sobriety, hope, communication. This breaking happens because our human hearts and our very institutions are frail and imperfect. We make mistakes. Life is messy. No No one is outside the circle of love. With compassion as our guide, we seek the well-being of all people. We seek to dismantle systems of oppression and undermine that undermine our collective humanity. We, we believe that we're here to guide one another towards love. No, no one, one is outside, outside the circle of love. No, no matter how fractured we are or once were, we can make whole people of ourselves. We are whole at our core because of the great, unnameable, sometimes inconceivable love in which we live. No one is outside the circle of love. Unitarian Universalism is a pluralistic faith. We draw from all of the world's major religions and faith traditions. We don't have a set of creeds, a set of beliefs we all have to sign on to. So sometimes people ask us, well then what holds you all together? Well, I think a lot holds us together, and one of the things, that's right, that holds us together in this church is our mission. It's our common purpose, and we say it together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Good morning. I'm David Overton, and I'm the denominational uh, connections person for our church. 
And as you just heard, this June, a number of us from our church attended General Assembly in New Orleans. I'd like to take just a minute, uh, and uh, we, we had a large group. There were over, over 30 of us, including 13 official delegates. I'd like to take just a minute for those who have managed to brave the weather and are here and who attended General Assembly, please stand up and be recognized. Our reading this morning is one of the results of General Assembly. Specifically, these are phrases taken from the Statement of Conscience on Escalating Economic Inequality, which was adopted by the delegates at General Assembly 2017. The full Statement of Conscience is available on the UUA website, and it includes a number of suggested actions that UUs and congregations can take to address the issue of escalating inequality. Challenging extreme inequity locally and globally is a moral imperative. As a pragmatic faith, we are committed to working to change economic and social systems with a goal of equitable outcomes of life, dignity, and well-being experienced by all. The escalation of income and wealth inequity undergirds many injustices that our faith movement is committed to addressing, including economic injustice, mass incarceration, migrant injustice, climate change, sexual and gender injustice, and attacks on voting rights. The growth of inequity does not happen by accident. It is a direct consequence of the decisions of those people who own and control the nations and the world's corporations and resources and their allies in government, who take for themselves the wealth created by the hands of the many and the bounty of our fragile planet. Unlimited funding of campaigns by wealthy individuals and corporations, <clears throat> lack of access to conventional financial institutions and predatory lending, and flawed tax policies increase inequity and insecurity. Our Unitarian and Universalist faith calls us to respond to economic injustice and advocate for those among us who are being harmed by inequity. Words and deeds of prophetic people challenge us to confront powers and structures of evil, such as uh, inequality with justice, compassion, and the transforming power of love. By speaking, acting, and spending in concert with one another, and by centering, resourcing, and empowering communities who are most impacted by economic injustice, we can create better and more just economies. Together, we can make a difference. Now is the time in our service where we breathe together. Breathing together, feeling one another's compassionate presence, some of us pray, some meditate, some simply follow our breath to that deeper place inside, that source of greater wisdom, that spark of the divine within each of us. And breathing together, we enter into a time of sacred silence together. Remembering that human sounds and the small sounds of small children are a part of the silence in this church. Breathing together, let us enter that time of sacred silence 
together. Act 1. In late March of this year, almost exactly three months before General Assembly in New Orleans, a controversy broke out across our larger UU denomination. The UUA, the Unitarian Universal Association, which is the administrative body that serves our congregations in a number of important ways, hired a white male minister to head up the southern UU region. The minister who the UUA hired did not live in the south and planned to take the position without moving uh, into the region. A conversation began among UU people of color about how UU hiring practices had seemed to favor white male ministers and how few people of color had been hired to serve in top management positions. Very quickly, uh, a Latinx religious educator from the South revealed that she had been a finalist for the position. She had been told by the UUA Director of Congregational Life that although she was qualified for the position, they were looking for someone who was a right fit for the team. And thus, they were hiring someone else. People of color have often experienced the term right fit as code language that white people use to exclude non-whites from positions for which they're clearly qualified. A number of charged exchanges broke out on social media and in other communications. The UUA president at the time, the Reverend Peter Morales, wrote a statement regarding the controversy, hoping to calm the situation. Instead, a number of UU people of color found his words to be hurtful. The controversy became more inflamed. A few years later, Reverend Morales resigned from serving as president of the UUA, citing his hope that doing so would help healing to occur. By early April, the chief operating officer of the UUA and the director of congregational life had also resigned. The minister who had been offered the position announced that he was not going to accept it. The executive director of the UU Ministers Association wrote a letter to the UUA board in response. His letter further inflamed matters, and by early June, he too had resigned. In May, our well-loved moderator, Jim Key, and the moderator is the person who presides at UU board meetings and at General Assembly, also resigned due to illness because of a recurrence of a previous cancer. On June 2nd, Jim died. So as our denomination approached its annual General Assembly in June, we found ourselves with no president, several other high-level resignations, no moderator, and a raging internal controversy. Recently, I participated in a workshop with author Glennon Doyle Melton and social worker, researcher, and writer Brene Brown. The workshop was about how, when we encounter difficulties, hurt, and or failure in life, if we can identify the truth of our story, if we can avoid creating a false story to numb the pain, we can often transform ourselves. We can learn and change in ways that are healthier and more life-fulfilling. 
As David and I were talking about the recent events within our denomination and at our general assembly, it became obvious to us that the framework presented in that workshop can provide a great way to understand recent events within UUism and the challenges and opportunities our denomination is facing. In the workshop, Melton and Brown describe how, when experiencing great difficulty, to respond to it in ways that are healthy and potentially transformative, we must live out a story in three acts. In our current UU story, what David just described is Act 1. Our denomination began what Melton and Brown call a brutal adventure. Brutal refers to how life can be both brutal and beautiful, and that we have to accept and experience both. We don't get one without the other. If we reject the brutal, we also reject the beautiful. So our brutal adventure begins with an inciting incident that often reveals realities and truths that we have been denying. In the case of our denomination, then, the inciting incident was the most recent UUA hiring decision and the revelation that a qualified person of color had been among the final candidates. This incident let loose a strong undercurrent of feeling among UU people of color about UUA hiring practices specifically and the continued dominance of white cultural values within UUism more generally. And that dates all the way back to a controversy that broke out in the early 1960s over efforts toward black empowerment within UUism. The brutal then includes the great hurt that so many have felt since the incident, the string of resignations and the unexpected and untimely loss of Jim Key during the middle of it all. The beautiful is the way in which so many UUs have vowed to one another and to our denomination to work through these difficulties and truly live out our commitment to become an anti-racist, multicultural denomination. Act 2. Since the events that David described, there has been a recognition within Unitarian Universalism leading up to and following General Assembly that we still have much work to do to be in right relationship with each other and to truly become a religion that lives our commitment to dismantling racism, both within our faith and beyond it. We have come to realize that we are not all in agreement yet and that we still have to live in that tension even while remaining in covenant with one another. For example, we have begun a conversation about a culture of white supremacy within Unitarian Universalism, wherein we do things in ways that adhere to white Western European cultural norms, often to the exclusion of other cultural practices. Yet, some UUs object to the term supremacy, given how it is so often used in the media these days in relation to white nationalists and neo-Nazi hate groups. Other UUs, though, feel very strongly that the use of the culture of white supremacy terminology is necessary in order to understand the great challenge that lies before us as a denomination. For these UUs, the term captures that the dominance of white cultural norms is the water in which we currently swim, and thus can be very difficult to see. Other UUs fear that the great, almost singular concentration upon our internal UU struggles with race leading up to and at GA may distract us from other vital matters, such as climate change, 
class inequality, LGBTQ rights, women's rights, and the like. Yet others also worry that this internal focus could prevent us from being present and vocal in public life at a time when our religious values need representation like never before. Similarly, the UUA board had approved raising $5.3 million over time to fund Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism. Many saw this as a positive step. Others worried that it might drain resources from other important needs. During the early and most emotional times of the inciting controversy that Chris referred to, relationships between people became strained and broken, and they will need time and much mutual work for healing to be possible. So, our denomination is acknowledging that we must commit to doing the work of coming together across our differences, healing, and learning from all that has happened. We have committed to living out our multiculturalism both within UUism and out in our world. We know that this will take time and that we must stay engaged even while it is difficult. So what Carolyn just described is what Melton and Brown would call Act 2 of our UU story. Act 2 is where we have to stay on the mat. We have to struggle with our difficulties, feel the bad feelings, live in the tension for a while, because if we try to avoid them by moving on too soon, we'll be doomed to relive Act 1 yet again someday. Melton and Brown also say that we have to identify what the rules of our current world are that may be holding us back. We have to identify such unhelpful rules in order to move past Act 1 and begin to work through Act 2. For UUism, some of those rules include the dominance of white cultural norms within our denomination, such as perfectionism, either-or thinking, and avoidance of open conflict. Unitarian Universalism is currently in Act 2 with the story we're sharing with you today, at least for the most part. We're identifying that which has been holding us back and trying our best to stay on the mat. At times, we haven't been entirely successful at staying on the mat, and that's not surprising or out of the ordinary. It's difficult. Sometimes we have to recommit. For instance, We've lost leaders because they resigned and didn't stay in relationship with us, but we're hopeful that they'll come back into relationship, perhaps in a different way than before. Yet we also have a great number of us who have committed to staying on the mat, to doing the challenging yet potentially transformative work that lies ahead. At GA, the folks who moderated our sessions clearly worked hard to set a tone that was respectful and healing, but that also recognized the difficulties with which we must grapple. They modeled acknowledging our mistakes and working with one another across our areas of disagreement. In addition to that, a multitude of opportunities to learn about dismantling racism and creating multicultural ways of being were also offered at GA. So at GA and since then, our denomination has been doing its best to stay in the struggle against racism internally and externally. The way forward will be uncomfortable and difficult sometimes. That's where we are for now. Staying in the struggle even though it is hard at times because it is the struggle that makes transformation possible.
as a denomination, we are still mainly in what Carolyn and Chris described as Act 2. We thought it would also be important to mention some really positive developments that have occurred leading up to GA, at GA, and since then. After Peter Morales resigned, the UUA appointed three co-presidents to serve until the election for our new president could be held at GA. All three co-presidents were people of color, and one was the first female ever to serve as UUA president. These co-presidents implemented interim hiring practices with specific multicultural goals for UUA positions, including management positions. Then, at GA, the delegates selected our first elected woman UUA president, Reverend Susan Frederick Gray. Reverend Frederick Gray has pledged to work with a board-appointed commission to put into place permanent multicultural hiring practices and has already appointed people of color to top positions within her new administration. In late April and early May, almost 70% of our congregations participated in anti-racism, culture of white supremacy teach-ins using materials created by UU people of color. These congregations dedicated a worship service to the teach-in, and many have offered educational classes following it. In the two days before GA, hundreds of UUs, including myself, participating in it, participated in intensive undoing racism workshops. And, as Chris mentioned, there were a number of great workshops on the subject also provided during GA. We also held a beautiful memorial service for Jim Key at GA, which allowed our folks some closure around his loss. Kaya performed Meg's song, All Will Be Well, at the memorial service. Since GA, our denomination has also begun to embrace a both-and outlook rather than an either-or point of view regarding our being able to do the internal work of examining the dominance of white cultural norms within our institutions and showing up to work for justice in our larger world. We can do both, and in fact, must do both. An essential part of doing racial justice work in the world is also doing it in ourselves. We can't make change out there if we don't also do so in our own hearts. Additionally, we can work for racial, just, race, racial justice while also still working for justice against other forms of oppression and harm to our environment. For instance, large numbers of RUUs were among the interdenominational faith leaders who showed up in Charlottesville to stage a peaceful interfaith counter-protest to the neo-Nazi white nationalist supremacist groups who were there. Here at our church, we decided to wait until Meg could be back with us to do something similar to the teachings I mentioned earlier. In the meantime, though, our church already has a lot going on with anti-racism and multiculturalism efforts. We have done education on white supremacy culture with our Austin area UU White Allies for Racial Equity group and our board of trustees. We have an active people of color group and allies group. We have begun offering a racism unlearning circle and have offered several film screenings and other learning opportunities regarding anti-racism. Finally, a group of folks is working to identify a broader educational curricula that we can offer in 2018 that would accommodate a large number of our church members being able to attend it over time. So much is happening and moving forward. All of the positive developments that Valerie just described are examples of what Melton and Brown say can happen in Act 3 of our story. 
if we have done the work of identifying the rules that are holding us back and staying in the struggle, we get to write our own ending for the story. And while we still have much work to do and must stay in the struggle for a while, these positive developments are a sign that even though these have been difficult times for us as a denomination, they also offer us the opportunity for real growth and transformation. We have the chance to write our own ending, to create a faith that is truly multicultural and inclusive of a multitude of cultural norms and practices. Such a faith, in turn, holds the great potential of being transformative for each of us individually by exposing us to a wider range of worldviews. We invite you to join in. Feel free to talk with David about opportunities for getting involved with our larger denomination. Join our people of color group or our allies group according to how you identify. Together with each other and with the many wonderful folks in our larger UU faith, we will write our own ending to the story we have shared with you today. And that truly is holy work. Now please join me in our words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.